What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your hearts, pray with your questions, and hopefully respond in such a way that's helpful for you in your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the saint that Jesus Christ desires for you to be. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with your questions, anything and everything ranging from spirituality, apologetics, prayer, relationship advice, evangelization, catechesis, discipleship, and justice, all of the above. I will sit with your questions and I'll respond to three to five questions per episode. Here's the thing, though. I can't always promise you that my my answers to your questions will be helpful for you. I can assure you that I definitely pray with your questions and I definitely spend time studying but at the same time I'm broken I'm imperfect and I can get it wrong and so if my advice is not helpful for you in your walk toward becoming a saint in your growth in virtue in your relationship with Jesus Christ and his church then my bad you can reject it you can dismiss it however if my advice is helpful for you in becoming a saint in your walk toward eternity, even if it's difficult, if it's hard, I want to invite you to allow it to stretch your heart and to lean into Jesus so that Jesus Christ can give you the grace to to do whatever needs to be done in your pathway to heaven. Uh, If you want to hit me up with some questions, you can send them to me at askfatherjosh, that's askfrjosh at ascensionpress.com. And you can also Rate us and review us on iTunes and any other podcast format. This helps other people find out about the gift of the show. If the show is helpful for you, then potentially it may be helpful for others as well. On today's show, we're going to talk about discernment. We're going to talk about discerning the priesthood. We're going to talk about money. And we are also going to talk about dealing with chronic pain. So uh, stay tuned for those topics. Before we get jumping into those topics on today's podcast, I want to share with you a, a glory story. One of the things that I, I've done since I've been at my, my parish, Holy Rosary, is uh, I've been doing these house blessings. I, I've asked the parishioners to invite me into their homes so I could just listen to their stories and, and bless their house and then share a meal with them or have coffee with them and just hang out with them um, in, in their homes. And it's been such a gift. And today I did a house blessing and there were a lot of people in the family that came to this particular house blessing. And I got to meet them outside the walls of the church and hear their stories and hear their heartache and what has hurt them in the past. And also hear their, their glory stories on ways in which the, the Lord has brought them through, um, their, their seasons of, of pain and suffering into the resurrection. And so That's just been such a gift for me to be able to encounter them in their homes and to pray with them there and to listen to them, right? Just to listen to their hearts because the only way I can know how to best serve this community is if I first listen to their desires. It's like that song from from, uh, that movie that came out a number of years ago, Dreamgirls. Beyonce sang it. Listen, boo-doo-doo-doo-doo, to the song that's in my heart. A melody, I something, I can't remember the words. Listen. Yeah, so I just listened to him, and that's been great because I'm learning my bride. I'm learning how to, how my flock can best receive 
the gift and how I could best how I could best um, accompany them in their walk to Jesus. And so that's been a huge gift. And so today I was able to not only do a house blessing and to hear their hearts about what their desires are, which they had some great desires to help people worship and to help people pray and to help serve the poor through acts of justice. So that was a, a gift. And they had a wisdom too because they're from this community and they're going to be in this community after I leave. So it's really good that I'm able to hear them. And uh, so I praise God for their openness and for their sharing with me. It's, it's just It gives me such life to know how I can best accompany these people. But then also I went, after the house blessing, I, I went to another house because another parishioner was hosting a retreat, an alpha retreat at our house. And it was just also super cool to, to see these parishioners talking about Jesus and the gifts of the Spirit and discernment outside the walls of the church. I find that there's almost a freedom for people to speak more easily and uh, with conviction whenever they're they're in their home. And so I was able to also sit and listen to them share their hearts and their relationship with Christ and their desires for the church in that context of the home setting again. And so I don't know if you've ever done that, if you've ever met with people, small group Bible studies or the Alpha program or just done house blessings and pray with people in the home, but I would really encourage it. I find that individuals speak a lot more freely whenever they're in the comfort of their own home or their own neighborhood. So I just want to encourage you, if you haven't done ministry in the home with small groups, I, I think it's really helpful for us. Uh, that's what Jesus did a lot. And so it's really imitating the master, small groups in, in the homes of the individuals who he's walking with. So shout out to all the people who've let me come and bless your houses. Thank you for that invitation. And shout out to this group that's doing the Alpha program right now. I look forward to seeing the supernatural fruit that comes from, from that particular um, that particular small group. Also, listener feedback. Uh, this week we have some listener feedback from Brad and Caitlin. If y'all remember, we discussed their question a while back on the show about their, their marriage and their honeymoon. And we have a lot of comments that came in from other people about their question. But they also recently wrote us and they said, thank you so much for taking the time to answer our question on the podcast. Frankly, we were surprised but delighted that you took time to respond. Thank you very much for your prayers and saying yes to the priesthood, Brad and Caitlin. Well, God bless you, Brad and Caitlin. I am still praying for y'all as well, and I look forward to, to meeting y'all one day, hopefully in heaven. I'm just super grateful to God for allowing this podcast to not only help pe people all over the world, but specifically people in the place where my bishop has assigned me to serve. That's one of the greatest joys that I have as a priest is knowing that for whatever reason, God is using this podcast to bring people back to the sacraments. Um, if, if anything else, that's just one of the greatest gifts for my little priestly heart. All right, on to today's show. Our first question is coming in from Mandy, and it's about money, money, money. She says, hello, my name is Mandy. Recently, I had a talk with my mom about money, full-time jobs, and benefits. I think we both disagree about the topic. I always tell her money isn't everything, but she tells me that it is. I think more about my spiritual life as she thinks of material things to survive. Am I wrong thinking this way instead? Thank you for all your time. Mandy, Mandy, but the money, that's a great question. What's the song about money? Uh, money, money. Uh, I can't think of it right now. Anyways, but Mandy, yeah, so great question. So uh, you were right. And that money isn't everything. No, God is everything. Jesus Christ is everything. Money comes and it will go. It is passing. It should not be our idol. It should not be our God. It is not everything. Jesus Christ, he is our everything. However, 
with that being said, we do need to be wise stewards with our money. And we do need to make sure that we are being prudent with the ways in which we are going about the work that we can share with our community and our jobs. And we do need to make sure that we are receiving just benefits. Because if we're not concerned with our benefits at all, then what can happen is this. You can be all about Jesus in prayer over here, but because you get messed over with your benefits whenever you should have been getting paid something that was just, but you didn't really care about that, there may come a time in your life whenever you um, become so distracted then with your bills and things that you aren't able to pay because of the, I guess, lack of attention that was given to your money and your benefits and your job, that you're not able now to focus on Jesus in prayer. You're going to be so distracted and unnecessarily so because there was a lack of wisdom with regard to the way in which you were being paid by your by your bosses, by those people that you are working with um, and, and for. And so I think it's very important that we recognize that work is a gift. Work is a gift that we were able to do and blessed by God to do before the fall of Adam and Eve. It's a preternatural thing, right? So they Adam and Eve worked before the fall. So it's a really, really good thing. And whenever we uh, take serious our work in our community, it's a foundation for effective evangelization. That's what St. John Paul the Great, he wrote in his encyclical on work, Laborum Exorc... I'm going to mess this up, exorcisms or something like that. But basically, he talked about the way in which we work can help us to be effective evangelizers. Um, so God has revealed that he himself is the master craftsman. And, and so whenever we can go out and work, we're actually imitating God. Martin Luther King Jr., he also said this really cool quote. I love to death. He says this, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Whoa, way to go, Martin Luther King Jr. That is my man. So yeah, so work is a good thing, and we need to be responsible with the way in which we go about and we cooperate with God and work in the world. At the same time, we should not make money everything. We should not idolize money. We should be generous with giving away the money that we received to other people in our community. But if we work well and we receive benefits well, then we're going to be in a better position to do that more freely. So I think that your mom is right in that you do need to, to take serious work and make sure you're receiving just wages um, and benefits. But at the same time, we can't idolize money um, and think that it's everything because whenever you die, you're going to die the way you came into the world. And that is uh, with with nothing. Your money ain't going to heaven with you. And so uh, let's not try to make an idol out of it. It's caused a lot of broken relationships between people whenever people idolize money and not Jesus. So you keep idolizing Jesus, but also be, be prudent and uh, be responsible with the gift of money, which comes from work and the benefits that come with that as well. Hopefully that's helpful. If y'all have any additional advice for Mandy on money, then uh, hit me up at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. All right, our next question comes in from Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah is your first name. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah is your first name. Yo, we have a lot of Sarahs. 
that right into the show. Sarah must have been a name that was, uh, you know, we have like the generations, like we read about like back in the day, Dorothy was a, a very popular name that a lot of people had. And and then Sarah and Ashley or, or Brittany are, are popular names. Uh, anyways, they're just, this, this must be, you might be in that generation of Sarah's potentially, right? But anyway, Sarah wrote this. She said about a year ago, I was diagnosed with a rare muscle disorder with which has come chronic pain and fatigue. God bless you. I feel called to unite my pain with Jesus's pain, but I'm not sure what prayers and practices I should start with to do this and was wondering if you had any suggestions. Okay, Sarah, praise God you're asking this question. Uh, it's such a beautiful question. You know, Jesus Christ calls us as his disciples. To be a disciple of Christ is to imitate Christ. And I think a lot of us, we really are willing and, and desiring to uh, imitate Jesus Christ, the healer. Right? We're willing and we desire to imitate Jesus Christ, who prays a lot. We desire to imitate Jesus Christ, who worked miracles for people. We desire to imitate Jesus Christ, who preached and who taught and who accompanied the poor and served people where they were at, that's really attractive. But as a disciple, we're called to imitate Jesus Christ crucified as well. That's what St. Paul writes about. He says, I preach Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. And that's one aspect of the life of Christ that many of us actually resist sometimes. I don't want to. Oh, no, I don't know. But Jesus Christ suffered. Our God suffered. And he invites us to suffer with him. And to suffer well, to make up for what's lacking in the body of Christ and our brothers and sisters who don't bring their pain and suffering in union with him on the cross and invite them to experience him on that level. It's a beautiful level. Um, he certainly can heal people who suffer with chronic pain and fatigue like Sarah uh, physically. And sometimes he wills to do so physically, um, but sometimes he, he doesn't physically heal them. And, and they are allowed and given the opportunity to suffer with him in their physical pain. And a lot of fruit comes from this. It's called redemptive suffering. When Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, when she founded her order of nuns, the missionaries of charity, who, as I've talked about a lot on this show and in my book and in the work I do, they do some of the most difficult work for the poorest of the poor in the world. I've, I've worked with them in Baton Rouge. We have a, a, a woman's shelter and soup kitchen at St. Agnes in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and that's the parish I was baptized at, as well as I've gone to Calcutta and worked with the sisters there. And those, those women do very difficult work. It's not attractive at all. It's very difficult, very, very hard. Um, and there was a woman from America who wanted to join the community when Mother Teresa was alive. And she also experienced chronic pain and fatigue and illness. And so she could not do the, the physical labor that the sisters do. And so she reached out to Mother and said, Mother, you know, I really want to be a sister, but I just can't. I mean, like physically do the work y'all could do, but I really feel called to work with you some way, shape, or form. And Mother Teresa prayed about it. She said, yeah, you are, you're definitely called to be a part of our community, but in a, in a different way. You're called to suffer from home and offer up your pain and suffering for us and unite to Christ on the cross, Jesus Christ. And when she began to unite her pain and suffering and allow that to become her prayer and unite to Jesus, all of a sudden, like the number of sisters uh, grew and multiplied exponentially in the poor that the sisters were able to serve also multiplied exponentially and more people were able to be loved by Jesus and encounter Jesus in and through the sisters than they were ever before. And Mother Teresa, she accredited this to this woman in America who was suffering with Jesus. Her suffering was not in vain. It was not wasted, but she would unite her suffering to Jesus. 
And after I heard the story, I became a deacon. I was ordained before I was a priest. And, and I was doing ministry at a church in, in my diocese at St. Pat's. And this guy came to me one day, and he, he wanted to be a priest really bad for the diocese. And he also had uh, an illness to where he, there was no way he could go to seminary and study and do the work that was necessary for his priestly formation. And so uh, the diocese didn't accept him to be a seminarian, and he really struggled with this, and he felt like he didn't have a purpose in life. And so he came to me, and honestly, he was suicidal. And so we prayed together and began to work together. And I told him the story about Mother Teresa and this woman, and it was so beautiful. Afterwards, I, I prayed with him, and I said, I just feel called right now to ask you if you would be willing to, to be my suffering soul, to be a, a victim soul for me. And I said, I will pray for you for physical healing. But I said, sometimes if, if God doesn't physically heal you right now, then, then I would really encourage you to, to suffer well on the cross with Jesus. And so the guy did, and he became alive, and his whole, his whole attitude changed, and he became the most joyful person who was always in pain. But I also can attest to this. I saw supernatural fruit come from my ministry in a different way after this man began to offer up his pain and suffering for me and for my vocation. I saw this fruit in my um, charism of evangelization in ways that I'd never seen it before. And so I also, like Mother Teresa, attribute a lot of my ministry to this, this man who is a suffering soul um, for me. So how can we pray well? Well, I think there's a few things we could do. First of all, when we come to Mass, we're all called to have a sacrifice to offer up. And the, the Catechism speaks about the sacrifice of the laity um, who were baptized priests. And they're not ordained priests, but they're baptized priests. And priests in the Old Testament offered up sacrifice. Jesus Christ is the one and eternal sacrifice, the high priest. And so at every single Mass, uh, right, we, we unite our sacrifice to his sacrifice. And so one thing you can do simply is when you go to Mass, you can offer up this as your sacrifice. During the offertory, give it to your angel to bring to the altar for your angel to, to bring to the Lord as your gift. Your suffering is your gift to him for, the, for your transformation and conversion and for the conversion of the, the world, for everybody, however God sees fit. But also, um, you can unite your suffering through spontaneous prayers or just saying, like, um, Lord Jesus Christ, I offer up my suffering in union with you on the cross for my sanctification, for the sanctification of the world, and for the glory of your name. Um, you can also offer it up in rote prayers and the Rosary and Divine Mercy chaplets as well. But Archbishop Fulton Sheen also, he, he spoke about the gospel of redemptive illness um, as well. And in one of his texts, this is what he says. He says this, he says, Think of how much suffering there is in hospitals among the poor and the bereaved. Think also of how much of that suffering goes to waste. Wait, I'll pause right here. One thing I often do when I visit people in the hospital and anoint them if they're sick is I ask them to suffer too, like well for me. I say, look, let's pray for God to heal you, but like while you're suffering, can you please suffer well with Jesus? And uh, so and I encourage those of you who have family members right now who are in the hospital to certainly pray for their healing, uh, but entrust their healing to God because God may want them to have a, a better healing than a physical healing, which might be their salvation. Remember, Lazarus was, was raised from the dead. He received that, that physical healing from God, but then he died again. So like just because you receive a physical healing doesn't mean that you're going to go to heaven. After he received the physical healing, he still died, but he died a martyr's death. So the greatest healing was that he died a martyr and a saint. So keep that in mind when we pray for people's healings, to always keep in mind that the greatest healing isn't physical. The greatest healing is their salvation. My bad. Okay, back to Fulton Sheen. So he says this, How many of those lonesome, suffering, abandoned, crucified souls are saying with our Lord at the moment of consecration, This is my body. Take it. 
And yet that is what we all should be saying at the time we suffer. I give myself to God. Here is my body. Take it. Here is my blood. Take it. Here is my soul, my will, my energy, my strength, my property, my wealth. All that I have, it is yours. Take it. Offer it. Offer it with thyself to the heavenly father in order that he looking down on this great sacrifice may see only thee his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. Transmute to the poor bread of my life into thy divine life. Thrill the wine of my wasted life into thy divine spirit. Unite my broken heart with thy heart. Change my cross into a crucifix. Let not my abandonment and my sorrow and my bereavement go to waste. Gather up the fragments. And as the drop of water is absorbed by the wine at the offertory of the mass, Let my life be absorbed in thee. Let my little cross be entwined with thy great cross so that I may purchase the joys of everlasting happiness in union with thee. Unite with thee, transubstantiate me so that like bread which is now thy body and wine which is now thy blood, I too may be wholly thee. I care not if the species remain or that like the bread and the wine. I seem to all earthly eyes the same as before. My station in life, my routine, duties, my work, my family, all these are but the species of my life which may remain unchanged, but the substance of my life, my soul, my mind, my will, my heart, transubstantiate them, transform them wholly into thy service, so that through me all may know how sweet is the love of Christ. Amen. Yeah, so I mean, also, one cool thing, St. Faustina, Maria Faustina, who gave us the Divine Mercy Chaplet, she said that Jesus told her one day, if the angels were capable of envy, which they're not, um, but they would be envy of us for two things. One is that we can receive the body and blood of Christ in Holy Communion, and the other is that we can suffer with Christ, because they can't suffer because they don't have a body. So, uh, yeah, so check that out. Uh, hopefully that's helpful for you. What do y'all think? Do y'all have any additional advice for our sister Sarah, if you do Hit me up at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question. If you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascension presents. That's youtube.com slash ascension presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we are back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at Josh at ascensionpress.com. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes and other podcast uh, media outlets. This helps other people find out about the show. All right, our final question comes in from a young man named Son in Christ. Son in Christ writes this. It's a discernment question for young men. I'm loving your podcast. Praise Jesus Christ, brother. Your answers are such a blessing. Blessings on blessings on debt. Blessings on blessings on chat, chat, chat. Blessings way up. It's blessed. So he says this, keep doing what you are doing. I'm 17 years old. I'm 11th grader who is struggling to discern God's vocation for me. I feel a possible call to the priesthood, 
but how do I determine what God wants from me and what I want for myself? What are some signs that it is God who is calling me to the priesthood and that I have a true vocation to be a priest? Well, I think the only way you're going to really know if you're called to be a priest is if you get ordained on that day of ordination is the day we really find out that the priesthood was for us. Because I know guys that have gone to seminary, brother, and thought they were called to be a priest for like six years. And then within the seventh year, right before ordination, they were like, you know what? I wasn't called to be a priest, but I was called to come here to be formed as a better man and hopefully a better saint. So I'll give you some wisdom. I'm going to share a few things with you, and hopefully this advice is helpful for you, my brother who is a son in Christ. One of my professors in the seminary, Dr. Tom Neal, he, um, he met a Sudanese priest um, many years ago, and this, this priest spoke to him at length about his own vocation and his own path to discerning the priesthood and becoming a priest. And in that conversation, he said this to Dr. Tom Neal. He said, you Americans, I've noticed, tend to begin discernment of God's will by thinking of personal fulfillment. What will make me happy? Bring me a sense of fulfillment. Prosper me. It's difficult to think of God's will from that starting point. God is handcuffed. But in my village, my family, we start with what do my people need? Or what does the church need? What do I have to offer? And if I see these match and it's a way for me to love best with the abilities God has given, deciding is easy. Loving God, which is doing God's will, which is what you are trying to discern, is found when you start with your neighbor's needs. This is how I chose to be a priest. It was a simple decision, but not an easy one. Do you know why the French existentialist Jean-Pierre Sartre said hell is other people? Because he started and ended with himself. If you do that, you will always be miserable. But if you start with love, you can clean garbage cans all your life and you will be content. So I think one thing to look at, my brother, is what are the needs of the church today? And what are your gifts? What can you offer the church in your walk toward eternity And if you can serve the church in the capacity of being a priest, and that's a need right now is good, holy priests who desire to be saints, who want to give people the bread of life, who want to accompany people who are going to hell and help them to get to heaven through the sacrament of reconciliation and baptism. If you want to spend your time, a lot of your time before the blessed sacrament, Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, and then also give people Jesus Christ the Eucharist, man, that might be a sign that you're called to be a priest, that when you think about that, when you think about the sacraments, when you think about the time that you would get to spend with our Lord without being distracted with other duties in the world, does that excite you? If it does, I would say that that's something to consider. I would encourage you to get a spiritual director um, to have this ongoing conversation and share with them what's going on in your prayer. Speaking of prayer, I would encourage you to spend a lot of time in prayer before the Eucharist. The Kara studies have shown that most guys who've entered seminary uh, were men who spent time before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And through that time with Christ in the Eucharist, they felt him call them to be a priest. There's a video that I did with Father Mike Schmitz a number of years ago. I actually filmed it like a few months. I got in contact about it a week after my ordination. We filmed it within a few months of being ordained, but it's called I Will Follow. You can YouTube, I Will Follow, Father Josh, Father Mike, Ascension Presents, and it'll come up. But it's a vocation video that we did. Uh, and I want to invite you to watch that video And after you watch it, pay attention to your desires. Um, Does the video about the priesthood excite you or does it give you a lot of anxiety? And pay attention to that. Um, And so I think, finally, if you really want to discover if you're called to be a priest, the only place to do that is by contacting your vocation director and just going to seminary. Seminary is the only place, in my opinion, that is conducive to discerning the priesthood. You can't discern the priesthood if you're 
at school, at a regular university or college, or if you're in the workforce, you have to go to the place that's conducive for learning if this is your calling. And by going to the seminary, one thing that was very helpful for me, because I really struggled with going to the seminary when I went, was there was a priest on TV, and he said, uh, just because you go to seminary doesn't mean you're going to be a priest. Going to seminary is you're going to discover if you're going to be a priest or not. And if you, if, if you go and you discover you're not called to be a priest, those years of formation can only be helpful for you in becoming a saint down the line. Your ultimate vocation is to be a saint. The, a means to that end is, is the priesthood. And so I'll pray for you, brother. I specifically, I will offer my mass for you today and your discernment. And uh, if you are a priest, well, then one day I would look forward to uh, celebrating the mass with you and, and potentially even going to confession to you and you helping me become a saint in my walk toward eternity. So hopefully that best was uh, helpful. There's also a really good book called To Save a Thousand Souls. I always recommend that book. Uh, Father Brennan, somebody wrote that book. And, uh, but yeah, you can get that book as well. And just talk to your vocation director and have that conversation. Um, get that conversation started. There's no obligations by having the conversation. All right, man. God bless you, brother. Been praying for you. So that brings us to the end of today's show. Regardless of your circumstances, here are some things that I think everyone can take away from today's questions. Number one, when it comes to discernment, it's always helpful to look at the needs of my community and what are my gifts. And can my gifts be best used to help people in my community become saints? If so, then let's try using them. A universal point about chronic pain is that we are invited to imitate Jesus Christ. And when I say that, I mean all of Jesus Christ, the miracle worker, the healer, the teacher, the preacher, the one who spent time in community, and also the one who suffered and suffered well. And finally, a universal point about money is that uh, we need to be wise stewards with the gifts that we receive from God so that we can use these gifts to serve God and our neighbor, the poorest of the poor. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all glory be to you, Father. All glory be to you, Jesus. All glory be to you, Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God bless, and uh, I'll see you next, next week. And don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes so other people can find out about the gift of the podcast. I love you, and God bless. God bless.